You are now listening to This and That, a podcast collaboration about some of everything that's anything with your hosts, David and Brenda. And now, let's get to talking about this and that. Hi everybody, it's Brenda, also known as Miss Brenbren. And it's David, now the nickname The Professor. And we're with the podcast This and That. And today is uh today is actually the February. night of the Grammys. Yeah, it's night of the Grammys. February tenth. And it's February tenth, twenty nineteen. And um we are now embarking on recording episode three of our podcast. So isn't that great? Yep, we've hit the trifecta. We've hit the trifecta. And today we are going to spend this episode talking about politics, politics, and more politics. With apologies to Mel Brooks for those of you who saw History of the World Part 1. All right, that's another story. Yes. But anyway, here we go. Let's get things started. So, David, how do you want to start? Uh, da, 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 this and that, politics edition. Uh, there was a lot that went on this past week. So, trying to boil it down to a few topics was rather interesting. Uh, also, I am not CNN, NBC News, etc. So, if you're looking for a recap, play-by-play, etc., this is not the forum. What you're going to get is my opinion on what's transpired, as well as I may, from time to time, forecast, not predict, forecast, look up the difference, what I think may or may not happen um, if we get to things on different races and the like. And also, I will give you my spin on things. Again, this is not where you're going to get normal recap. If you want that, there's like a gazillion outlets for it. Yeah, there's a gazillion outlets. And this and that is not one of those outlets. Right. So, um, okay, help me out. I did not watch or listen to um, our president's State of the Union address. So why don't we get started with that? Tell me, what happened? All right, first of all, let's back up a little bit before I get into the State of the Union proper. Uh, For those of you who um, watch a lot of cable news, or even normal news got into this, uh, print obviously did, but those of us who are news junkies saw this whole power play develop where during the shutdown initially, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi sent an invite to President Trump, and I I assume that she believed the shutdown was going to be over by um, the specific date in question, end of January. I don't remember the exact date now. Well, we all know it was was not. not. So she rescinded that, and um, that is where Trump found out that Congress and the president are co-equal branches because I guess over in the West Wing, they somehow clearly thought if they just said, we're going to show up, Nancy, it would happen. And she was like, oh, no. So we had that little power play develop. And things got reset to February, this past February um, 3rd. Actually, no, February 5th. 
whatever the date is. Was yeah, it the 5th? Yes, it was the 5th. Hey, I'm, I'm third, trying to keep the 19th. The 3rd was the, 13th, the Super Bowl. That's right. That's right. Third, and that's why Puppy Bowl. That's why that's in my mind. So it's February 5th. Hey, I'm doing good to remember it's 2019. Yeah, well, yeah, you are. So. 2019 Let's now. keep moving. Um, so, on that note, happened on the 5th. Now, this whole State of the Union, my opinion on it is, they cease being... Um, real informative pieces of news uh, probably by the end of the last century because it's just all political theater now for the very most part. You have the show and tell, as I call it, where you just people go overboard with I brought this and that guest and make these political points. And the whole thing is about political points. There's no legislative agenda or legislative push that's really going to come out, no matter who the president is. I don't care what they say. It's all political theater now for the the news programs and others and, and the like. And there are a few messages here and there that that are the are real messages. And I'll, I'll get to that. And you know the part of the political theater with State of the Union that I don't like and part of the reason why I don't watch it? They clap, like, after every third word. Do you need to do that? Again, like you said, it's part of the political theater. I mean, you know, people now, it's you know, go really overboard with, with that. There was a part where they were chanting USA and USA, and Brenda heard me saying to the TV, where well, we had a hockey game now. It sure I sounds mean, like it. I mean, it was not necessary. But, but the whole State of the Union address... We have President Woodrow Wilson to blame for this. The, the, the State of the Union, if you pull out your handy-dandy Constitution, or if you don't carry one in your pocket, go online. Article 2 is for the presidency. Article 1 is the Congress. So from the minds of the, of the founders, Congress was co-equal and in some people's minds more important because it represented the people than the presidency. So the presidency is in Article 2. Article 2, Section 3. Article 2 is the entire executive branch. Section 3 is the State of the Union plus when can the president convene Congress because, again, they're co-equal. They don't do whatever the president says. The president can't just say, hey, I'm as, as Trump found out, I'm going to show up at Congress and have a, a joint session. No, you got to have permission. So we'll set aside the convening of Congress because it's a war, natural, whatever that is. We don't care about that. The first part is the State of the Union. I will read verbatim from the Constitution, what the State of the Union says. So this is Article 2, Section 3. And again, this is 18th century, so it's completely sexist. I'm not going to go gender neutral with the pronouns. So I'm just letting you know up front. This is okay. what it says. Just read it. All right. He shall, being the president, he shall from time to time give to the Congress information of the State of the Union and recommend to their consideration such measures as he shall judge necessary and expedient. And I'll end it there. What does that mean? Most folks, presidents, just wrote a letter to Congress updating them on things. Woodrow Wilson, who came from the academic world, and I could say a whole lot of things good and bad about Woodrow Wilson, bad things, he, let, he got suckered into letting the Federal Reserve get created literally in the dead of night over Christmas. Um, whether you like central banks or not, and there are pluses and minuses to it, he shouldn't let himself get suckered into that. And he resegregated the army. I have to say these things. So those are the bad things. The good things is he busted up 
the European aristocracy and the like after World War I and insisted on it. So it's like everybody else. you got to take the good with the bad. But Woodrow Wilson, you have to blame for this because he made a show, wasn't political theater per se, but he's the one who brought in this joint session to Congress and made a big deal about State of the Union. And then when radio and television came about, it just became bigger and bigger, and now it's just complete theater. So that's where we are today um, with this. So what happened in the State of the Union, back to the initial question. All you really need to know, there, there, what was not said. Um, no mention about the shutdown, the fight over the shutdown, what that's about, and any kind of compromise. There was no real talk about that at now all. Now you think they'd talk about that, because that was a big deal. Um, and it should be like a policy thing, especially when the, the president started out with themes around he, he wants you know bipartisan cooperation. They already did that with the, the um, um, bill, now law, to uh, reform criminal justice. And he had in the gallery folks that he had been recently um, let out of prison on the, the front ends of that. Yeah, and that was all great. Exactly. So. Then he went to the economy and things like that. The, applause, the, applause, applause, applause. Right. The, Key thing to think about going forward, because all the other stuff, not much is going to happen out of that, whether people want it to or not. Here's the key thing to, to keep in mind out of the State of the Union, in my opinion. An economic miracle is taking place in the United States, and the only thing that can stop it are foolish wars, politics, or ridiculous partisan investigations okay that was the key message in my mind that the president wanted to convey to congress stop investigating me the mother thing the mother probe is going to end soon allegedly um stop investigating me and he sees really all oversight as well as the other investigations as illegitimate so that was his message there. We can all get along and do these nice bipartisan things, but it's an either-or. It is a zero-sum game. You cannot investigate me and expect to get what you, the Democrats, want. That was the key, one of the key things that's going to become real out of the State of the Union. Forget all this other piece, pieces out of there. Well, if you ask me, the investigations are going to keep going and it's going to roll over into impeachment proceedings. Well, have to but get that's to that. just me. If they get to impeachment. Well, there are five investigations this week. The Democrats run the risk, though. They don't want... You hear a lot of people say, oh, we don't want to do these things to get Trump reelected and so on. Well, they could run the risk of doing that because my opinion, again, no, this is just from observations recently and from what, what's coming out of the president's mouth, Twitter feed, and, and folks in his administration... Seems to me they're running a strategy to essentially cause the Democrats to lose their minds even more than they do when they're dealing with him and the White House and his administration with respect to these hearings so that they can then have snippets that go on to their media outlets and, and social media outlets to say, see, the president is being persecuted because he took a phrase that Mitch McConnell threw out, Mitch McConnell very rel seldom says things, um, and he threw out this phrase, Mitch McConnell, surprisingly, of presidential persecution. And the president has picked that up 
And I think this all plays into a strategy. And for those that. who are not familiar, Mitch McConnell is? Uh, he's, he's down the road from us. He is the Senate Majority Leader. Uh, he is a Republican senator. He's based out of Louisville, Kentucky. And his wife is Elaine Chow, who goes in and out of um, Republican administrations, being secretary of this or that um, in various administrations, cabinet secretary. So anyway, uh, that's where we are there. Uh, we saw this play out, in my mind, Friday with um, the acting attorney general, Matthew Whitaker, who won't be attorney general uh, in a couple of weeks. He will be back to private citizen, and we will have um, the new but old, I guess, the, I guess it'll be reboot attorney general, uh, coming on board. But that's another story. Here's the key thing to know out of the Matthew Whitaker piece. And there was a whole back and forth about was it going to appear or not. Uh, he wanted Jerry Nadler, the, the Democrat who is now the, the chairperson of that committee, to give him all sorts of assurances and the like, which, which Jerry Nadler did do, but it didn't matter because apparently Mr. Whitaker didn't seem to understand, A.G. Whitaker didn't seem to understand that the hearing was going to zero in on him, the Mueller probe, why was he even made acting attorney general in the first place? That seemed kind of obvious, intuitively obvious, as one would say. And this was a hearing in front of uh, what committee? Uh, the House Judiciary Committee. Okay. I do believe. So here's, again, all you need to know about how the State of the Union plays into the Whitaker hearing, and I think the hearings are going to happen this week and beyond. So let's play this snippet here. He's acting attorney general. Have you ever been asked to approve any request or action to be taken by the special counsel? Mr. Chairman, uh, I see that your five minutes is up, and so uh, I'm, we, 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 I am here, I'm here voluntarily. I, we have agreed to five-minute rounds. And the committee. I think that's a fine place to end the five-minute rule. The committee. Okay. Yeah, okay now. Was that contentious on both sides or what? Well, that was crazy. It was, you don't tell a committee chair. First of all, talking about political theater, this is an oversight hearing. So it's, it's not as much political theater as other congressional hearings that are completely staged. But you don't go into a hearing and disrespect the chair or try and run the meeting. It doesn't work that way. And he, Whitaker, was doing essentially what I would call, well, it's not the Senate, so you can't call it a filibuster, where you just kind of drag on in speech and delay, 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 speechify, as, you know, Jeffro Bodine might say. Um, so I, I will call it political rope-a-dope. He's just running and backing up the yeah, whole was, time. It's I was about to though. say, I was expecting <laughs> That's my term the for it. bell to ring and <laughs> He's hear somebody say, out. let's get ready to rumble. He and was trying to run stuff. out the clock. I almost thought I was in Vegas listening to and that. And you just needed Michael Buffer. And I, and I just needed somebody <laughs> to say, let's get ready to rumble. I needed to hear those words. So there wasn't too much information that came out of that. It, it, and some of the things that he said are, I would say, highly incredible. Not credible, but highly incredible. And we'll leave it at that because we're not talking about this. But that's how, out of the State of the Union, the one big piece I think you're going to see real is that 
the Trump administration is going to is declared all out open warfare. It's like total war. World War II was considered total war. They bombed factories, they bombed villages, they bombed everything. Carpet bombed and, you know, civilian infrastructure was fair game. That was one of the, the first times that was true on such a mass scale. And that's what you're seeing analogously from the White House. This is total, it's going to be total political warfare from them, unless the Dems essentially, you know, roll over like a cute little puppy dog with their belly up and say, oh. Well, trust me, I don't think the Dems are going to roll over. So tell me, how does Stacey Abrams fit into all of this? Uh, Stacey Abrams, former um, uh, candidate for the Senate in Georgia, many of whom would say was robbed of winning that race. She wasn't a candidate for the Senate. She was Kevin... Oh, for, no, no, for the governor. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm thinking ahead here that she, she might challenge some of these people in the Senate. That, that was a Freudian slip. Yeah. So she, uh, back she was up, going she, for governor. She didn't go that... She ain't sen- senator yet. She was running for governor. Yeah, she was running for governor. Um, was was robbed from running for governor, and in yes, my opinion. She was robbed big time. And she gave the Democrat response. Now, normally these responses to the pres the presidential state of the union are where where the other party, the party not in the White House, puts their up and comers. This is kind of a recent thing going back a generation now. And it hasn't worked out very well for most of those people. Um, the most memorable flub I would say was Marco Rubio. Uh, who gave the response and had the keep drinking water seem like every five to ten seconds. So not survi- not insurmountable flubs, but a lot of things were just completely flubs. I'm happy to report, whether you like her politics or not, because I just don't like seeing these people who are supposed to be able to speak in public and are like just absolutely fail. That did not happen with Stacey Abrams. So let's play a little bit of her response, and you'll get the gist of this. Good evening, my fellow Americans, and happy Lunar New Year. I'm Stacey Abrams, and I'm honored to join the conversation about the state of our union. Growing up, my family went back and forth between lower middle class and working class. Yet even when they came home weary and bone tired, my parents found a way to show us all who we could be. My librarian mother taught us to love learning. My father, a shipyard worker, put in overtime and extra shifts, and they made sure we volunteered to help others. Now, I could go on and on, but you get the gist. She opens with who she is and why she's there, what's her whole background. She tells a story about how her father gave his only coat. They only had one car, so... uh, the mother and father kind of traded that off. He worked in the shipyard, came, coming home late one day. It's taken him a long time. He was walking anyway, but it was raining. And he apparently, they found him on the road, walking very slowly. He was shivering because it was raining. It was very cold. And he'd given his coat away, his jacket away, to a homeless person. I'm like, why did you give away your only jacket? And his answer was, he knew that when he left the, the homeless man, that that man would be there alone by himself. But other people would come for for him, meaning his family, and how Stacey Abrams, uh, not too unlike Kamala Harris, sees the power of the government and the people being behind folks to pull people up and together. 
So that's kind of just where she started, and she goes on to basically um, rip Trump, which we you hear tons of times. We're not going to get in, into that. So the response was what you would expect a response would be. The one complaint I would say is it didn't really address what he said, so you got the parties kind of talking past each other. Uh, but other than that, it was a very good speech, and it told everybody who doesn't pay attention to Georgia politics, doesn't know what's going on there, who or what Stacey Abrams is, and why the Republicans were very, very scared of her. Well, if you ask me, she is definitely on the political radar screen, and we are going to hear some more from her down the line. Absolutely. Okay, so now we're going to talk about um, our next topic, which has to deal with um, the good old Old Dominion. Is that correct? Yes, Old Dominion, another name for the Commonwealth of Virginia. Commonwealth, Commonwealth of Virginia. Which in the context of the United States, states and commonwealths are the same. We won't get into the technical definition of these things. Now, the state of Virginia, beautiful country, um, lots of history. But they got a lot of crazy stuff going on with the governorship, the lieutenant governor, and the person third in line for the governorship. Attorney General. So what is going on in the state of Virginia? Uh, it's a complete mess. Make a long story short, uh, the governor was, my opinion, what happened is Inside of Virginia politics, there is a, a law or bill being worked out having to deal with um, abortion rights and the like. A lot of people think that the governor was going a little bit too far, again, the way I see it, and they dropped out this oppo research that they've probably been sitting on for quite some time. And that happened to be uh, his medical school yearbook um, page that among other things, it's like four photos, and one of the photos shows two, two um, college students. One is in blackface, and the other is wearing a KKK you know, hood and robe. Now that came out, and people are like, Governor, are you in this picture? Um, this came out on a Friday, not this past Friday, but the Friday before, and the governor came out and said, yeah, he'd say it, it's me in there. I just don't remember if I'm in blackface or I'm under the hood, but I'm in the picture. I apologize, blah, 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 Wait it was a on minute. Friday. Back up. Mm -hmm. How can you be in a photo <laughs> and not know if you're the person in blackface or the person wearing the KKK hooded robe? Help me understand this. I, I guess maybe if you've done it, uh, several times. This is how I look at it. If you've done it several times, you're like, well, well, either that did or I do it on this occasion? Drunk. Could have been, could have been drunk, could have been high. I have no idea. All right. It just seemed odd. But anyway, yeah, that, that is that's what odd. it was on Friday. Less than 24 hours later, uh, on the, that's the, the Saturday, there is, you know, breaking news, governor is coming for everybody's thinking, oh, the governor's going to announce resignation because by then all the Democratic candidates and a whole bunch of people in Virginia were, were jumping ship saying the governor should resign and so on. Governor comes out and doesn't resign, but he doesn't resign because he's like, 
upon further review, <laughs> my paraphrase, but it's like, upon further review, I am not in this photo. I have never worn clan regalia, and I'm pretty sure that's not me wearing blackface. It doesn't look like how I looked back then, and so on and so forth. And so people like Brenda said, how, how can you be confused on this? He gave a incoherent answer that I, 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 so the cognitive dissonance I have, I can't even repeat his answer because it doesn't make sense to me. But then he went on to say, because this came out in the press conference, and this was a classic case study of how not to do crisis management, how not to do a press conference. You don't do press conferences, news conferences, to create new news. Yeah, and what was the <laughs> new news he created? Well, he, it came out that, okay, after he, he had left there a few months later, same year, he was in a dance contest, and he dressed up as Michael Jackson. Okay, fine. This was in... Um, 84, Thriller was out, Michael Jackson was just becoming now king of pop, he was breaking down barriers on MTV, which back then, if you were around, you know, MTV was essentially playing all sorts of, um, hard rock, etc., for the most part, uh, and, um, you could count literally on one finger, two fingers, by the time Michael Jackson came on, how many black folks were on, um, but anyway... He was in a dance contest as Michael Jackson, did the moonwalk, all right, nothing wrong there, in blackface. Had to put on shoe polish. He made a notice saying he put on a light coat of shoe polish because, and this is almost verbatim, if you've ever put shoe polish on your face, this is what the governor said, you know that it's very hard to get off. Question. If you've never done blackface before then, how would you know this? This has not come up in idle conversation. Well, trust and the, me. Are you going to believe the other person? He must have it done this It sounds like before. experience to me. It sounds like it sounds like he told on himself. This, the governor, actually, if I step back a little bit, if you ever saw the TV show Benson, where um, Robert Guillaume plays Benson, who was the um, uh, butler on Soap, then he went to the governor's mansion. There's a whole convoluted story how that happens. The governor in that series is a lovable kind of bumbling idiot. This governor reminds me of the governor in Benson, but with a racial insensitivity bent. I'm not going to say he's necessarily racist, but he clearly is a little bit clueless and racially insensitive. The well, clueless bit came he, in. He was really clueless when his wife had to restrain him. And that's the thing. One of the reporters said, you won the dance contest by doing the moonwalk. And yeah, and he was very proud about this because he had gone on for a while about the, the moonwalk. And he said, you know, can you still do the moonwalk? And you could see his eyes light up and he's looking like, is there enough space for me to do this? And then his wife touches him on the shoulder of her hand and says, Dear, that would be inappropriate. <laughs> this man was going to moonwalk. Brenda, he's the governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia. He's already, at that time, it looked like wasn't even going to survive until Monday. He's still in office today, which astounds me. But he was going to moonwalk. You know that would just been looped. Well, you, you know, know the memes that could have come out of that. That is part of the experience <laughs> necessary to be the oh governor of the state goodness. of Virginia. It's oh no, you got to be able to do the moonwalk. Douglas Wilder never had a scandal. He and for those who don't, he was the Doug, Doug Wilder was the first uh, African American um, governor of the state of Virginia. 
two-term governor, I believe. And he never had any kind of scandal. And this was back when you know people were digging all around. They, they were digging deep to well, find anything. Well, you don't have to dig too far these days. Unfortunately. Uh, but I don't, us... I don't think the scandal is going to boot him out of office. But the next person... Yeah. Um, the, unfortunately for the lieutenant governor. So the governor's name is Northam. The lieutenant governor, uh, Fairfax, I believe is his last name. Justin Fairfax? I would just go with Fairfax. Okay. He was all set. Um, he's very young, 30-something 30, 30 uh, African-American lieutenant governor. He was, a, he was the co-chair of the uh, Lieutenant Governors Association. I don't know if that was, was by party affiliation or if they are nonpartisan because the governors might be nonpartisan. Was that a national thing? Or it was a national. Okay. It's national. Um, and I, I say was. The co-chair, because as of yesterday, I think, or Friday, he's no longer in that position. But he was all ready to ascend to the governorship, trying to play it cool, not look like he's chomping at the bit. And then all of a sudden, bam, Apple research comes out on him. Out of the blue, you have allegations of sexual harassment that happened in 2004 at the Democratic um, Convention, which I believe was up in Boston at that time. And I'm not going to go into the details that we know or any of this other stuff. But that came out. He's denied it um, and denied ever having done anything untoward like that. And that's not the first time these uh, 2004 allegations have come out, correct? Apparently they're not. But the press has never made them public because they've never been able to get sources lined up to corroborate the the the, the um, alleged victim story, so they've never put this out there, but um, it's out there now, and as of today, again, uh, we are February the tenth. There is now a second woman. This one from two thousand when he was in college at Duke, and she claims that um, the lieutenant governor, the now lieutenant governor, raped her. And once those came out, the calls from all the Democratic nominees that up to that point said he had to go. Um, there is a member of the legislature there that says that he's still in office by 12 noon tomorrow, Monday. He's going to put forward a you know uh, motion for articles of impeachment. I don't know if that is going to work or not because looking at Virginia law, it looks like you have to, you can't impeach somebody for something that they didn't do in office. So we'll see where that goes. But again, but these are allegations. They're allegations. Okay. But that's the way. No, nope, no actual proof. You just got a, he said, she said. Yes. So you okay. have governor where there is proof and a confession. You have allegations against, as far as I know right now, as we make this, it may be corroboration, I don't know, but as of right now, um, have not heard or read where there's corroboration to these. So they need to be investigated, clearly. Statute of limitations, I don't think, are up. But even if they're not, they should be investigated because he's in public, public eye. But... The third in line would be the Attorney General. So when that came out, people were like, okay, no big deal. Um, we, we still got to work on Northam, get him out of office, and we can leapfrog over the Lieutenant, lieutenant Governor. Um, then the AG 
raised his hand and said, another Democrat, so these are all three Democrats. Uh, the next in line after the AG is a Republican. They definitely don't want to lose power, the, the Democrats, that way. So the AG raised his hand and said, um, hate to tell you this, but, and this is, <laughs> obviously I'm paraphrasing here, hate to tell you this, but in 1980, uh, when I was in college, I too, you know, was at a party and uh, wore blackface. And wore blackface, dressed up as rappers that we were listening to at the time, etc., etc. Now, I heard this coming out of the AG's mouth, and this just struck me as a big, bald-faced lie, in my opinion. I don't know any, none of my white friends in 1980 were listening to rap music. A lot of black people in 1980 weren't listening to rap music. So you were at a party dressed up as your favorite rapper yeah, in blackface. That's what I said. don't find that credible at all. And I, at all. So you are telling me you got two individuals who, who happen to be white and they confess to their, um, oh, we'll just say, lack of judgment. And we'll call it racial insensitivity. Oh, we'll I will call, call it that. You can we'll, call it We'll lack call of it racial insensitivity. That is correct description. At the very least. And um, you got an individual who happens to be African American and he's just being accused. There is no proof. There has been no court of law that has found him guilty. Well, you know, when we both were working around corporate America, this is what would be in, you know, in the last century in corporate America, because this phrase went out of style this century. Um, this is what would be called differential consequences. Now, this which would be was called code white for privilege. <laughs> differential consequences. Let's which was just code call for, it called white uh, privilege. Life ain't fair. You black folks got different rules that apply to you and the standards are higher. Again, white <laughs> privilege. Well, well, this is where you would look at the the governor and the AG and say, clearly there's some white privilege, crazy stuff going on here because why do they have to dress up as black people and wear blackface? What is the blackface thing all about? And there are lots of folks who are into African-American studies and have looked at this historically and scholarly that go very, very deep and intellectually about how this means these folks are white privilege, they can do anything they want, and to them it's they cannot see black people without seeing race and color and skin tone is a huge piece of that. It doesn't matter. That's just such a huge piece of it. I don't understand it because we don't do white face. We don't say, gee, no. you know, uh, I, I, I'm going to dress up as Bill Clinton or Donald Trump. I mean, if you want to dress up as Donald Trump, you could get, you know, wig or do some crazy stuff on your head oh, and people would case. figure it out. Buy have a the mask. power tie. You buy a mask. Well, I'm saying without the mask. Like at Halloween. The mask. The mask. I'm just saying people could figure it out if you're African American. Like, oh, you're dressed up as Donald Trump. It would not be hard, and you would not have to put white shoe polish on your face or white or uh, white out for you know old school typewriters or something. You wouldn't have to do that. We wouldn't even think of doing that. But I. So I've never understood the blackface thing. 
at all. So, in in other words, there is still more to come on this topic. Absolutely. All right. Let us, uh, we'll see. Okay, so now it's our time for a segment that we're trying to do uh, as a, a regular feature, so to speak, and that's our words of wisdom. And Brenda, a.k.a. Bren Bren, has our words of wisdom for this week. So take it away. Well, our words of wisdom for today, February 10th, will come from the late, great Maya Angelou. Uh, and Maya Angelou was an American um, poet laureate. Um, she was involved in civil rights. And um, she was also an author. And one of the things, she's known for saying a lot of things, but one of the things that um, I have associated with that I really like is when she said these words, quote, I've always had the feeling that life loves the liver of it. You must live and life will be good to you, give you experiences. Now, unquote. Now, if that doesn't um, give you some chills when you hear those words, and give a good description of how we should be living our life, then I don't know what will. Now, for those of you out there who are picky haters or trolls, do not send any kind of post or email to Brenda saying, My Angelou was never a poet laureate. My Angelou was a poet laureate. Um, My Angelou was an American poet laureate. We know the difference between an American Poet Laureate laureate, and a U.S. Poet laureate, Laureate as designated by the Library of Congress. We know the difference, but she was an American Poet Laureate by those factors. We know the difference. So don't send hate mail saying Brenda doesn't know what she's talking about when she said Maya Angelou was a Poet Laureate because she was 100% correct in that. That's all I got to say. I like the quote, though. But I got to... God, you trolls out there, just go somewhere else. All right. And speaking of um, people giving us feedback, thank you to everybody who has been sending us email to let us know what they like about our podcast. And what they don't and, like. And what they don't like. <laughs> and suggestions about things um, we can do to improve our podcast. And hopefully you will have heard some of that in today's um, podcast that we've done. So if you have any uh, other suggestions, have an interest in maybe wanting to be interviewed, um, remember Tom Jorner, we're still waiting for you. Um, you can email us at thisandthat at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. That's this, the letter N, that, at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. Okay. Well, David, I think, or shall I say, the professor, um, I think we can say episode three is now in the books. Mm -hmm. Do you agree? I agree. Okay, then. All the best, everybody, and we'll wait and talk with you next time. Bye, folks.
You have been listening to This and That, a podcast collaboration about some of everything about anything. This has been hosted by David and Brenda and is presented by AboutGreaterCincinnati.com. Music by Poddington Bear. Please subscribe to our podcast so that you can stay up to date about future episodes. If you have any comments or suggestions about this episode, future episodes, interested in sponsorship and or advertising, please email us at thisandthat at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. All rights reserved. Thank you and all the best.